right, good morning, church. Great to see you guys. Take out your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to be back in that text, uh, in that chapter this week as we continue in our series. One thing while you're turning there I want to um, let you know about. Um, the Israel trip I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, we have finalized almost everything on the trip. I've got all the details all nailed down, and I'm ready to, to present that to you. And so uh, just the, you can see it on the website, or you can actually take out your phone to that uh, QR code up there, take a picture of that, it'll send you to the link with all the details and all those sorts of things. Um, we are going to go uh, to the town where Jesus was raised, Nazareth, it's still there. And they have a sign out front that says Homa, I'm just kidding, they didn't, they don't. I was looking for one when I went through there, uh, you know they do have the most popular human being that's ever lived from their hometown, from the little town, anyway. Jezreel Valley, Megiddo, Battle, Battle of Armageddon, we're going to be looking out over that, Mount Carmel where Elijah slew the prophets of Baal. We'll see where Jesus walked on water. We will go to a synagogue uh, ruin where this location is as close as we could possibly get to where Jesus actually read from the law um, right by the Sea of Galilee in a, that synagogue. Ba we'll be baptized where Jesus was actually baptized. And uh, there's, a, there's a more of a commercialized place on the Jordan, but then there's the actual place where John was probably baptizing, and we will be there. We're going to go to the gar Garden of Gethsemane um, and walk the footsteps of Jesus all the way to the cross in Jerusalem. The location of the cross, the empty tomb, we're going to talk a lot about that and see some, some of those kinds of things. Um, we'll be walking in God's Word together. It is a spiritual pilgrimage. Um, you're walking in the Word together uh, and seeing these places all together, and it's just powerful. Um, and I hope that you guys, uh, if you've never been, consider going. Or if you have been, you want to go back. It'll be, it'll be a great trip. I'm taking my kids um, because for a few reasons. One is we found a time that's perfect for in the summer when school's out, right? So parents, school will be out. Um, the second is it's not scorching hot. In June, uh, there, it's actually just right. The high of this, I looked every day this year during our trip, it was like 88, 88, 88. Anyway, everything's in bloom. It'll be beautiful. Um, but my daughters, my oldest daughter is graduating Baylor next year. My second-born daughter is graduating high school next year. And my wife and I are celebrating 25 years of marriage next year. And so we were like, you know what? Let's all go to Israel. Uh, so uh, we're going we're gonna to do it. We're going to knock it out. But, it, but I encourage you parents, if you, you know, take your student uh, on this trip. Because um, I'm going to be gearing it a lot toward us as parents and kids and that sort of thing. Um, but we'd love to have you go with us. It's all on the website. All the details. If you want to know more, email me. I'll answer any questions that you have. There's a whole lot more that I have in my head than I know on the website. And I would be happy to help you with that. So go take a look at it and let me know if you have any, any questions. Okay? All right, we are in uh, our third week of our series, Your Part Matters. And if you remember in week one, we talked about the principle of a life truly lived for the greatness um, of the kingdom is a life, first of all, that's lived when you, you take away a mirror, living for yourself, always thinking about yourself in your own life, and put a window there. And, and, and we talked about that particular principle. It's what we were wired by God to live life uh, doing. Um, we're not made to think about ourselves in our life. That's the place of misery. We're wired to be a part of something outside of ourselves and to, to, to see something great and to be a part of something great to the sense that we lose ourselves in something great. That's how we're wired. 
And you can experience some of that in a lot of ways uh, in the world, um, whether it's education or whether it's medicine or an organization or a band or uh, sports or whatever. You, you, being a part of something great and, and, and losing yourself in something great. That's what we talked about in week one. Last week we talked about it's not just being living for something great and solo. It's living it in the, in the context of others. When Jesus went to the cross, it says he looked through the cross to a body of people called the kingdom of God, the church, you and me. And everything, every sacrifice he ever made was well worth it to him because he saw the joy of the kingdom. And so when we're living for the kingdom, we're living for the greatness of the kingdom, we are living as seeing ourselves as a part of something, of a body. And in that body's variety, interdependence, accountability, um, all, of this, all of this sort of thing. And we talked about the illustration of a body. We talked about this in 1 Corinthians 12 last week. And so having your life gripped by something great that you see and you live for and you get consumed by, um, that is where living really is. And at this point, we really could be talking about sports team. We could be talking about a band, orchestra, company, organization, theater, medicine. We could be talking about a lot of things that are just natural in the world. But today, we go up a level to being a part of something that you can't get anywhere else on the earth, not through any organization or cause. It transcends the natural. The natural. It transcends natural organizations. Today we move into the realm of the supernatural. The church can be compared to other movements and causes. It can be compared because there are similar traits, uh, being a part of an organization. It can be compared to those things. But there's one element that makes the church separate from every other entity on the earth. And that is the personal presence and supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to talk to you briefly about, I want to actually give you some preliminary points about the Holy Spirit. Because he is the distinguishing mark of the church specifically. And um, we need to understand him, his role, and biblically. And, and so I want to talk to you about it a little bit. And this morning, I'm going to give, I'm going to put my teacher hat on a little bit. And less of my preacher, uh, you know, so I'm not going to, you know, have a lot of stories and that sort of thing. It's really just going to be a systematized presentation and teaching on the Holy Spirit first. I want to do some preliminary work on the Spirit. Then we're going to get into our text. And then we're going to unpack what it means by the gift of the Spirit and its significance in our lives. So bear with me. It's going to be points, lots of points, okay? Uh, lots of, um, you know, A and B and C. Um, but bear with me this morning because I believe that's where the Holy Spirit wanted me to go, to build structure in your mind so that when you get this, you're going to see some things, you're going to see how it all works, and he'll bless you in that, okay? So first, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Holy Trinity. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is not a force or an it. The Holy Spirit plays a key role in salvation. You can think of salvation. Your reconnection to the God who made you was accomplished from all of the persons in the Trinity. You can think of um, the Father chose you before the foundation of the world. The Son, eternal Son of God, became a man, took on flesh, and from his birth 
all the way to his suffering and death on the cross and resurrection and ascension. In his body, he accomplished everything necessary for you to walk in fellowship with the God that made you. He purchased all of that. He took your debts upon himself, but he acquired merits that he distributes to you in salvation free of charge. He purchased everything you need to walk with God. He did it all in his body. He purchased your redemption. But the Holy Spirit is the one who comes to you personally and takes everything he purchased and applies it to you personally here and now. He is the one who meets you here. See, Jesus did everything 2,000 years ago for you, but the Holy Spirit is the one who comes to you and applies everything purchased for you to you and into your heart and into your life. He's the one that actually applies all the benefits that are purchased for you by Jesus. And so when you receive Jesus, you are receiving the Holy Spirit into your heart, into your soul, into your inner person, down there where you have conversations with yourself and no one else is in there. He's there. That's where he comes and resides. And the work that he does in you is the work of transformation of your life from the inside out. And so he's in your heart and he gives you power to change. And the change he's ringing into your soul is moving you into and giving you power to become like Jesus in the, in the core of your nature. He's moving you there. And he will keep you on track. Until the day when the whole work is complete and you are, what the word Bible says, glorified. He will get you everything Christ died to provide you to you. The Spirit applies everything to your life that Jesus died to give you. So our role is to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And this is Paul's language of saying like if a, a marching band to the drum, Right? Keep in rhythm with the Holy Spirit. In other words, hear his voice and obey him and walk with him and fellowship with him and stay in, in touch and in tandem with the Holy Spirit in your life. That is what life is all about. That is a relationship with God, a relationship with the Holy Spirit. But here's the key. Every believer is given a supernatural gift by the Spirit who lives in us and is transforming us. And that's what we're focusing on this morning. And so that's the, the text. There's a lot of teaching about the Holy Spirit, but we're going to focus on the gift of the Holy Spirit from 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 11. Let's read along, and then we'll unpack it. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that 
one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. This is God's word. Let's pray and ask the Lord to unpack this for us. Father, we just submit to you at this time, and we ask that you would speak to our hearts. Oh, Holy Spirit, that you would um, make this word alive, show us ourselves, our lives, show us you, and teach us to walk with you, and teach us how to take hold of that gift, to use it for your glory and for our joy, for the building up of the body and the proclamation of the gospel in power. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jesus said to the apostles after he had ascended, wait for power from on high. In other words, hey apostles, I know I've told you to do the mission. I've given you this mandate. Don't go, don't go run around doing it right now. Because if you do it right now, you're going to do it in your natural ability. And just your skills as a human. You have to have supernatural power to do the supernatural work of building the kingdom. And so he said, this is a supernatural thing. If you build it with just natural flesh, it's going to fail. It'll go just like every other thing. But this is the spirit of God work. And this is the kingdom of God work. And he is going to come and he is supernaturally going to empower the movement of the church and spread the gospel all over the earth. And he's been doing that for 2,000 years. He came at Pentecost. He's been doing that for 2,000 years. And now a third of the earth say Jesus is Lord. How is that? It's the Holy Spirit. He is the only explanation for that. No other organization or anything. It is a supernatural work of God. The power has come. The mission has been advanced. Uh, the kingdom God mission has been advancing by his power. But how has he been doing that? The Spirit empowers his mission in the world through gifting his people supernaturally to do the supernatural work of the gospel in the world. Every one of us, he gifts us to do a supernatural work. And so if you want to be a part of the greatness of the kingdom, you have to understand the gifts of the Spirit. I want to give you a couple of points. Living our lives supernaturally on purpose. Let me give you a couple of points here and then we'll be, we'll be done. The first thing necessary of living your lives supernaturally, not just naturally but supernaturally, is discover the doctrine of spiritual gifts. I want to first just help you with that, give you a little bit of structure here. Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 are the two places where you'll see Paul try to put it in a capsule, the teaching of the gift of the Holy Spirit. He has multiple points he's trying to make to different churches, but the same principle is true. All the parts come together. They are all gifted supernaturally. They all use those gifts for one another, the benefit of each other, and the whole body is benefited when the Spirit uses everyone to build up and empower, and then he goes, and then that's the mission. That's how the mission is accomplished. And so first, discover the doctrine of spiritual gifts. I want to first make the distinction that is very important about the gifts of the Spirit being different from uh, the fruit of the Spirit. You all know about the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians 5, right? Uh, 
And then you have the gifts of the Spirit, and these are totally different. They do not need to be confused, so you need to understand that. The fruit of the Spirit are, is when the Holy Spirit comes to live within you as a believer, and you have the fellowship of God within you. He begins to manifest attributes of himself, attributes of Jesus, into your heart and into your life. And that is like, the, like spiritual growth. And every believer should have growth in all of the fruit of the Spirit happening in their life throughout the rest of their life. And so the Spirit comes and he begins to produce his attributes in your heart and you become to, you grow in his attributes in your heart and you become like Christ. The fruit of the Spirit is Paul helping us identify the attributes of the Spirit in us and then also helping us identify what's not of the Spirit. And so the fruit of the Spirit is just attributes that should be manifesting more and more every day in your life as you fellowship and walk with the Holy Spirit. Make sense? So all of us should have all of the fruit of the Spirit, and it should be constantly progressing. Does that make sense? That's part of spiritual formation. That's for all of us, okay? The gifts of the Spirit are different. And I want to illustrate this by, and I feel like it's a terrible illustration, but at least it helps you understand. It's almost like a wand, you know, like a, a magic wand, right? Uh, the Spirit of God gives every one of us a supernatural ability. A supernatural ability. Not a natural ability, a supernatural ability. A Spirit-empowered thing that He empowers you to do. And He gives you that power so that you can use that gift to build up and, and, and when you use the gift, he comes in and blesses in a very special way the, uh, to other people as you begin to use it, okay? So that is what we mean by the gifts of the Spirit, different than the fruit of the Spirit. Now, f- a few points about the gifts of the Spirit. Let me, let, me give, let me go through a couple of things that I had listed down here. Number one, no one gets all the gifts. No one. Now, you know why that is? is because it's the will of God that we all would be interdependent upon one another. So he doesn't give you all the gifts and the rest of us just sit there and enjoy it. Right? No. He, in his own will, he has said, I am scattering my gifts, the fullness of my gifts, throughout all the people. Every single believer gets a different varying gift in the body and you're to exercise that gift. I don't give it to all to one. Why? Because I want all of you involved. Your part truly matters theologically and biblically, not just because we want you to stack chairs. Please hear that today. This is a theological principle. Tap into it. Tap into what God wants for your life. That is it. So all of us have a varying gift that we're supposed to use, a supernatural contribution to the kingdom of God. And no one gets all the gifts. Secondly, spiritual gifts can be clustered, hybrid versions. Clustered. You can have multiple gifts that work off each other and all sorts of things. Uh, it is actually quite various, I believe, on how the Spirit gifts each one of us. Uh, next, spiritual gifts cannot be manufactured through learning or training. Shake your head this way. Spiritual gifts cannot be manufactured and created by learning it or trying to develop it within yourself or trying to get it from someone else, okay? A gift is that very thing, a gift from the Holy Spirit. 
You can't develop this thing. You can only develop it if you're given the gift, and then you can develop it. But you can't create it. You can't manufacture it. It's a gift of the Spirit of God. Now, we should desire the gifts. You can even pray for the gifts, the one you want, whatever that might be. But it's up to him to determine who gets what gifts. That's totally his deal and not ours. Spiritual gifts are often very different than natural talents that we have. Spiritual gifts and natural talents are two very different things. A natural gift is something God gives you in genetics and from, from conception. You just, you're going to tend to be good at certain things, and he has actually done that for all of humanity. That's actually a good picture of spiritual gifts in the church. But all of humanity, you'll have things you're good at, things you're not good at, you know, all those kinds of things. Every human has that. that and, and there's certain natural gifts that every human is going to, to have. But a spiritual gift is given when you become a believer. The Holy Spirit comes to reside within you. And then he gives you a supernatural, non-natural, supernatural gift. And trust me, I know this from experience. I'm, honest, I'm being as honest as I can with you to tell you that I truly believe I stink at this. I do. I don't think I'm naturally good at speaking the Word of God. I never have thought I was good at it. I still don't think I'm very good at it. But here's what I do know. For some reason, when I open the Word and I just start talking and things start coming out, He blesses people. And so I believe this morning, no matter how bad I am at it, I know, and I'm doing the best I can with it, I still believe that when I'm doing what he's asked me to do, that he's working and he's filling a heart somewhere and he's hitting someone over here and he's doing what he wants. He's doing what he wants to do, even though I feel like I'm not, even, I'm not really gifted with this naturally. So you may be gifted. Are you saying I'm not good? <laughs> By clapping? Henry, I know you love me. I'm just joking. But... I'm the first one to admit that. But what I'm trying to get you to see is that do not think just because you're naturally skilled at something and you always have had a knack for something that that's going to be your gift. It can be over here and you're going, what is this? That's my experience. It could be yours as well. They could be similar, but it may be very different, okay? Spiritual gifts are not for you. They are for us. To you, for us. To you, for us. Spiritual gifts are to you and through you, not for you. Very, very important. Your relationship with God, and listen to this very carefully, your relationship with God and the Holy Spirit is dependent on the spiritual gifts of others being exercised to you. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit is not whole and full in a one-on-one thing. That's why you cannot be a solo Christian. There is no such thing. The Spirit of God gifts another believer in a very unique way for the building up of the body. That means that if we want the wholeness of the ministry of the Spirit, He will minister to us through the body of Christ to us. That is how this works. If you want a ministry of the Holy Spirit and the fullness of the ministry, it's going to be through the rest of the body to you. This is why you can be blessed and filled and ministered to by a child. 
Because it's not based on natural education level or any of those sorts of things. It is a supernatural gift given to a believer. And when they just simply do what he asks in their life to the body, you go, whoa, I just felt something. Even though they're seven years old. And you know a whole lot more than they know. You just got ministered to. You can be ministered to through anyone. Any other believer in the body can benefit you. And you can receive ministry from the Spirit of God through others in the body, no matter what their natural talents are. And no matter what their natural gift sets are. Because that's how the Spirit of God works. All the different spiritual gifts are equally valuable. All of them. The only one, if if you think that your gift isn't very important, well, then you're the only one who thinks your gift isn't important. God thinks it's critical to his mission. It is absolutely critical to his work. There may be gifts that the Spirit gives that are not specifically listed in Scripture. Why do I say that? Let Let me break this down for you. Paul gives two kind of long lists, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. And he writes one list to Roman, to the Roman church, and he writes another list to the church in Corinth. And if you go through those lists and you start lining them up, guess what? They're two totally different lists. There's, there's only one gift that he mentions in both of them the same, prophecy. All the other gifts are different He listed a whole list right here for one church, and he listed a whole different list for another church. What do I take from that? Here's what I take from that, that Paul is just giving examples, random examples of giftings in the church. And he's not giving an exhaustive list where he was wanting the whole church to sort of fit into this list. He's trying to say, many of you are gifted in various ways. And he gave some examples of that. And over here he says, many gifts, and he listed a whole other list of examples. And what do I take from that? That the Spirit of God is going to gift in all kinds of different ways. Paul's just giving us an example list to see. Now what we can do when we look at the Spirit gifts is we can pull the, all of the gifts that he mentions in both of these lists into sort of categories to help us understand that. And maybe, no matter how you're gifted, it's probably going to fit into one of these categories. And there's three. One is the speaking gifts. Prophesying. Teaching, tongues, others, that he says there are speaking gifts, people who speak the word. Okay? All of us speak the truth and love to one another. We constantly do that. But there's some that just have an anointing, a spirit, gift, and they speak and something happens that's, that's, that's different than natural. It's different. It's more. So, and then you have so speaking gifts, and then you have serving gifts, and this is just the doing of the ministry of the church. Encouragement helps uh, healing, serving, giving, mercy, acts of service and doing, comforting, helping. He talks about miraculous powers that would fit into this as well. All of these various gifts of serving another person. So serving gifts. And then I call this the shepherding gifts because I need another S. But really this is the leadership gifts. This is the gift of leadership in the church. He talks about leadership, uh, faith, strong faith, uh, knowledge, discerning of spirits, uh, giving direction, providing strength, um, all of these sorts of things, that leadership gift um, in the church. 
It could be the visionary, that, he, that, that someone that sees something and gathers the church and says, uh, I see this and we're going to all, you know, follow the Spirit in doing this and the Spirit of God will move us all in unity to go to do something and it will give us great courage and a sense of risk-taking and all of that. All of these gifts, all varying. But you can see that speaking gifts, serving gifts, and shepherding gifts, all of those gifts, uh, if you have a gift, is probably going to fit in one of those particular categories. So the two main texts to study is Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. You can go to Ephesians 4 and see some of the spiritual leadership there. Um, but you need to know the doctrine of spiritual gifts. It's important. It's a good study. And there's more to be said about that, uh, but not this morning because we're already out of time. All right? So we're going to move on. Secondly, discover your spiritual gift. If a spiritual gift is the key to you living on purpose and on mission with God in your life, then it is critical that you do the time and the process and the due diligence in seeking how to find out how he has gifted me and put that to work because that's the key to living missionally with Christ. So how do you discover the spiritual gift that you have? Let me give you a couple of thoughts on this. First thing you can do, training wheels, getting you started, just priming the pump in the process is just do what I call the shape assessment. This comes from Rick Warren. Um, out of California, and it's SHAPE. And SHAPE basically just stands for uh, spiritual uh, gifts, and that's one aspect of it. He talks about heart, and God wants to use all of these for the kingdom, um, but you can't build a kingdom without that spiritual gift. So heart, and that's the things you love to do. Abilities, that's just things you're good at. Personality, that's how God wired you and your personality makeup. And then experiences, things, experiences you've had that could be used for the kingdom's sake. Um, and so it's good for us to go through the shape analysis, a website actually that you can go to and go through this. Um, and I encourage you to do that. There's a link. There should be a link somewhere. Yeah, right. Bannockburnchurch.info slash shape. If you go to that, I think you can do the QR code as well. Go through that. It just gets you started and giving you direction um, in, in what you're gifted in spiritually and give you some indications. Now, this uh, is very limited it's not the conclusion of the matter. Because here's why. Because your spiritual gift is not for you, you may not be aware of, the, of your gift. You may not know that you have it. Okay? I had no clue. Didn't, didn't know that I was gifted in certain ways. And so you may be limited in your ability. And you may go through this assessment and go, well, I'm definitely not gifted there. But you actually are. That's why it's limited. It can get you started. So how do you get to know, let's take it further, getting to know your spiritual gift, start serving others in the body. All right, that's the critical factor. How do you know if you're a good baseball player or not? If you've never played, how do you know? Sign up and get playing. And then once you start playing, what happens? You figure out, I've either got a knack for this or I don't, right? How do you find out if you're good at anything? How do you know if you're a good student? You can go, yeah, I'm a really good student. But you don't really know until you do student stuff. You got to go, that's education right there. <laughs> Y'all know that I didn't do student stuff because I said it that way, right? Anyway, but how do you know if you're good in the classroom and academics? You've got to get in there and go for it. And all of a sudden, your gift begins to manifest even to you because you're doing. Is the exact same true in the church. How do you know what your gift is? You just start doing in the body. 
And, and here's, here's, the, here's the other thing. When you come into your gift, what's going to happen is you're going to run into some people who say back to you that they were blessed when you did X. You're going to say, okay, because it's not, it's not about um, you figuring out doing things you, wanted, you like doing. It's, it's when other people in the church give you feedback that says, the Spirit ministered to me when you did boom. They will see your gift probably before you do because it's not for you. It's for them. And so start serving others. You know, God, it says God can't steer a parked car. You, early on in your Christian life, just start serving. Just start pouring your life out for other people in the body. And what will happen is you will begin to migrate toward, toward your giftings. I, first year in being a Christian, I was, doing, I was just involved in everything that was happening. Because I, I just really wanted to be. I was on fire. And I was in the choir. Choir robe and all. I got eliminated within like two months. Because the people in front of me were like, I can't hear myself think with this guy yelling so loud behind me. That's why I sit on the front row. So y'all not distracted by me. You get going. Then listen for feedback from the rest of the body. The body will tell you what your gift is. You have to listen to it and you have to receive it. I did not receive it. They asked me to do a lesson on Sunday because the guy's out and I said, somebody's got to fill in. So I do a lesson and all of a sudden I get this feedback. And I'm like, nope, nope. I am not going down that path. I don't want anything to do with it. I reluctantly filled in. I don't, and, and it was just like I couldn't get away from it. I couldn't get away from it. But it's not even what I wanted. I, I didn't, like, the thought of teaching the Bible, uh, I mean, just totally intimidating to me. I didn't want it. I was afraid of it. All that, all that had to be developed. But listen for feedback from the rest of the body. God's will is that we are interdependent. We need each other to fully relate to the Lord, even himself, the Holy Spirit. We need each other to get what we need from God. And we need each other to be empowered for the work of the gospel in the world. We even need each other to tell us what we're good at. We need each other to do that. Um, so the other thing I would say on that, the other side of that is, church, when, some, when the Spirit of God hits you, tell the person he used. Don't keep it to yourself. Because the more feedback that we give to one another, when, ooh, man, the Spirit of God, I felt him minister to me. I sensed him ministering to me in a, in a really powerful way. And it helped me so much because you did this. Tell them. Tell them. And make sure that we're relaying and helping each other come into our gifts, right? I think that could be um, a, an awesome principle for us to do. And thirdly, and lastly, so you discover it in process Get to going, listen to everyone, come into that gift, find out what it is, hone it in, and then exercise that gift for the benefit of others in the church. When you get feedback that so, when you did this, they did this, walk down that path and keep going down that path. And just follow the Holy Spirit down that path of gifting and keep developing it and pour into it and keep using it and wielding it into the lives of the people in the church. Now, I want you to get the picture, and I'm going to close with this. As you all, as we all come into our gifting and we all pour out that gifting for the welfare of others in the body continuously, the Spirit of God 
it, you think about all of the individual parts contributing to the whole supernaturally. Think about this. If all of us are doing that, what you have is a supernatural chemical reaction of everybody contributing supernaturally, and all of a sudden you have power. Power. And it's the power of the gospel ministry. And that is the sign of a healthy church. That's the sign of the power of the gospel. And what you'll see in a healthy church when all the parts are contributing their supernatural contribution to the whole work of God, sinners will be saved. Saints will be strengthened. The church will be healthy. The gospel will go out into the community and it will change hearts. That is how the Spirit of God is doing his kingdom work right now. Right now. And so I say that to say this, theologically and biblically, your part really does matter. The Holy Spirit wants you to hear that your part matters. And you know what? When you lock in to the spirit gift in your life and you start wielding the supernatural gift, it will be the ride of your life because it's God's purpose for your life. It's, his per it's why you exist. It's that ride right there. That is where it's at. In the body, through the body, building the kingdom. That is where life is. That's where the Christian life is. Y'all remember the parable that Jesus used with the talent and the mina? mina? And he says uh, he, left, he left some you know, money to servants. And he goes away to three servants usually. And then he comes back and he finds them doing one of them increase that amount that he gave him what like threefold another one you know double and the other one what he buried it and what does he come back and he says that servant i believe that the parable that jesus is talking about is giving gifts supernaturally to the church to individuals in the church and what you do with what he gave you in the kingdom advancement and, his, and you will be being held responsible for that. Finding out your gift, contributing your gift to the whole and being a part of it and producing fruit with the gift that you were given. Exercising it and then what does Jesus say? The only one Jesus frowned on. He was like, oh fine, you got double? That's fine. You invested it, it grew a little? Great, that's fine. You, you invested it and it grew a lot. That's fine. That's all the spirit stuff, right? The only one he has to blame is the one who just covered it up and just held on to it and did nothing with it. That's it. That's the only one he's saying, what? You could have at least put it in the bank and got some interest. That's what he's trying to say. He's like, hey, don't you see what you have? Supernatural power, and I'm giving it to you. And it's the calling of your life. And you, you opt out of this. You have opted out of all of the, the whole thing I had for you. This is it right here. You could be a part of the kingdom advancement. You could be used supernaturally. And you know what the joy that will fill your heart when you feel him using you in these ways. And you get feedback from people that saying, man, when you said this or you did this, God just, boom. There is nothing greater on the planet to be a part of. Give away all the money in the world to have that. Because that's it. That's where it's at. There is nothing greater on the earth for you to experience than that right there. The gifting of the Holy Spirit and being used in the kingdom 
your part matters. And I just, I always pray every day that we as a church would all huddle around the Holy Spirit, come together with him, exercise all of our gifts together, all of us play our different roles and our parts, and see Christ glorified in our communities, see sinners saved, see the church be strengthened and grow, and be a part of the gospel advancement in the world. There is nothing greater to be a part of. Amen? Amen. I'm going to close there. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and our time together this morning. And um, Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being a part of this incredible work that you chose to do before the world was ever in existence. Jesus saw it and lived entirely for it and even went to suffering and death on a cross for it, rose again, sealing our salvation and resurrection, and Holy Spirit, you came. And now you have been working in the world for 2,000 years, and you are bringing everything into completion that Jesus did on the cross. And you've done it in us. Teach us to walk with you, Holy Spirit. Take us to your will. Empower us to do your will. And Lord, let us experience the supernatural work of God through our lives. And whatever that might be. And we do it for your glory. And we do it for our great joy. Speak to us now during this song and this response time. We are yours. In Christ's name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. Stand with me all across the room. Let's do business with the Lord and seek him while we sing this song.